welcome to Black Fashion History, the podcast that celebrates the contributions of Black people to the fashion industry. It's Black History, but make it fashion. And I'm your host, Taniqua Martin. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Black Fashion History. Thanks as always for tuning in. I so appreciate it and I'm not going to hold you up because I know you came here to hear the facts, the history, the academic stuff, the knowledge, and you did not come here to hear me talk. So we're going to get straight into it. I know I usually talk a lot about designers and I interview a lot of designers on the podcast, but today's episode, we're going to show some love to the beautiful women that wear the clothes by the designers, the models. Black models have turned the industry upside down and changed the game in the most positive way possible. And I'm here to share all of that with you. We're going to get into black model first. That means all of the wonderful women that paved the way for the models that we see today, models like Chanel Iman, Ducky Thought, Slick Woods, they would not be here in existence today, would not have the opportunities that they have if it wasn't for some of the women that I'm about to share with you all on today's episode. First up is model and actress Dania Luna. Now, some have called her the first true black supermodel, and you'll understand the reason for the distinction as we go throughout the episode and I share about some other models. She became the first black model and the first model of color to cover any magazine in 1965 when a sketch of her ran on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. Then in 1966, she covered British Vogue and became the first black model and first model of color to be on the cover of Vogue. When she started her modeling career, there really weren't many opportunities for black models outside of Ebony Magazine, which is a black owned publication. So this moment with Harper's Bazaar was a really big deal for the fashion industry, for black models in general. And the folks at Harper's Bazaar loved her so much that they signed her to a one year contract with their on staff photographer featuring her throughout the publication and advertisements and stories and all of the such. Now remember, the year is 1965. This is the same year that Bloody Sunday happened, which is when the civil rights demonstrators, including Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Senator John Lewis, who wasn't a senator at the time, but they marched on Edmund Pettus Bridge and everyone was violently beaten and abused and all of that. So this is the era that we are in when she covers Harper's Bazaar and she gets the opportunity to be throughout the pages of Bazaar. So Harper's Bazaar advertisers in the Southern states started pulling their ads. People started canceling their subscriptions because, you know, racism. So William Hearst, who was the owner of Bazaar and you guys know Hearst Media Publications, the big media conglomerate. Well, he was not happy about people canceling their subscriptions and advertisers pulling out. So Danielle Luna got the boo and she was no longer featured in the magazine. Later that year, she moved to the UK. And of course, the year later, 1966, as I mentioned, she was featured on the cover of British Vogue and also had a thriving modeling career, modeling for designers like Yves Saint Laurent, Paco Rabanne, you know, and so many more. So she was able to go overseas and kind of revive her career. And that was a common trend among black models at this time that they were not welcome in the States. A lot of them traveled to Europe and felt a warmer welcoming there. It's very similar to the story of Josephine Baker in the 20s, where she had a 
booming career in France and was loved and adored there and didn't have her career subject to the racism that she experienced in the States. Danya Luna was even compared to Josephine Baker in terms of her career and its boom and her appreciation and love that she experienced and felt over in Europe. Next up with our model first, we have model Naomi Sims. Now she has also been credited as the first African-American or black supermodel. Told you you're going to hear a lot of first supermodels here. But as you hear their stories and hear their contributions to the industry, you decide for yourself who is first. Naomi Sims also started modeling in the 60s, and she was one of the first black models to sign to Wilhelmina Models, the agency. And she was the first black model to appear on the cover of Ladies Home Journal in 1968, as well as the 1969 issue of Life magazine. And then her career took off and kind of shot to the moon or the stars after that. Naomi Sims moved to New York in 1966 to attend the Fashion Institute of Technology on scholarship, but she was needing some money, so she was encouraged by her classmates and others around her to give modeling a try. This was an interesting suggestion because, as I stated before, there were not a lot of opportunities for black models at this time. And of course, she experienced that when she approached modeling agency and Every one of them that she approached turned her down because her skin was too dark. So she started to bypass that whole process and approach photographers herself. Gasta Peterson, who was a photographer for the Times, loved her look and he agreed to photograph her for the cover of its fashion version of the time. It was called Fashion of the Times and she covered the August 1967 issue. And then she would send those out to agencies still now showing that she's done some work and people were still not interested. So she decided to take her career into her own hands. Wilhelmina Cooper, who is a former model and the founder of Wilhelmina Models, she went to her at the time and told her like, hey, I'm going to send out copies of these magazines that I'm in with your number attached and that, you know, she could have a commission, like Wilhelmina could have a commission if anyone called back and like wanted to book Naomi. So that's how she became a Wilhelmina model. She essentially was booking her own gigs because she would send out her photos and things like that to advertising agencies who would be interested in hiring models to create ads and to go in magazines. And so she would send those out and put Wilhelmina's number on it as her agent in a sense, because she knew she was starting an agency and that kind of led her to becoming the first black model at Wilhelmina and helped kind of jumpstart Wilhelmina models it to bring it into it, a viable agency where they are sending out models to these advertisers. And within a year, she was booking jobs, making money, making money for Wilhelmina Models, and her career was taking off. She was now like in high demand, especially since her Ladies Home Journal cover that she booked. She's in high demand, and she started modeling for designers like Halston, Giorgio de San Angelo, amongst many other designers at the time and will start to pave the way for other rising black models like Pat Cleveland and Beverly Johnson. 
Speaking of Beverly Johnson, she is next up on our list of model first. And I've actually heard Beverly Johnson be called the first black supermodel. Like growing up, that's who I heard was credited as being the first black supermodel during Black History Month. It was always said to be Beverly Johnson. And, you know, after doing my research for this episode, I don't know why that is. But she certainly is a pioneer in the industry and it definitely is a reason for many of the models that we see today. And she has had many a first in her career. So she began modeling in the 70s and she was the first black model to be featured on the cover of American Vogue in 1974, which is different from British Vogue, as we talked about with Danielle Luna, but also a big deal given America's history with race. Like we are in 2022 and we're still having like first fashion first model first things like that so to know that she covered American Vogue in 1974 that's a big deal she was also the first black woman to appear on the cover of French L magazine now having black women on the cover of a non-black publication was not something that was often done because that is what sells your magazine that's what encourages people to buy and a lot of times if subscribers and readers are seeing a black face on the cover, they're not interested. Or that's what a lot of these publications thought that black women or black faces could not sell products and cannot sell magazines. And that's partly true, not because um, we're unable to, or our faces are unappealing or anything like that, because we know that that's not true, but because racism and racist consumers, a racist customer base is not going to pick up a magazine with a black person or any person of color on it. Beverly Johnson has appeared on over 500 covers of many magazines, walked many runways in the United States, in Europe, and many other places in the world for top designers and still remains like a force in the fashion industry to this day at almost 70 years old. Next up is model Pat Cleveland, who was discovered at age 14 years old, and she began her career in like the mid to late 60s and was very popular in the 60s and 70s. Like many of the other models that I've already mentioned, she experienced tons of racism in the fashion industry, so much so that she was tired of the racism that she experienced in America, and she moved to Paris and vowed not to return to the U.S. until a black model graced the cover of Vogue. And she upheld that promise, and in 1974, she moved back to the U.S. because that is when Beverly Johnson appeared on the cover of American Vogue. But Pat Cleveland was one of the most successful models, most successful black models. No, I think most successful models in general, not just black model. And she was one of the top models for both runway and print. She was also Halston's muse. And Halston is an American designer. And the brand Halston is considered America's first luxury brand. So the first luxury brand to come out of America to be an American luxury versus an Italian brand like Gucci or French brand like Chanel. She was also one of the black models in the historic Battle of Versailles where American fashion beat out European fashion. And many of the black models that were featured in that is something we're going to cover. So Pat Cleveland, Beth Ann Hardison, you know, were the reason for the win American fashion had that night because of their charisma, their poise, their flamboyance, their attitude. The black models that night were also the reason or the inspiration for Givenchy and his model cabine, which we'll get to as well. 
And that was his like troop or group of black fashion models that he used in his shows and to tour Europe and all of that because he loved what the black models brought to the Battle of Versailles. And it wasn't just look. So it wasn't just a weird fetishism, fetishization. I can never say that word. It wasn't a weird fetish of black women and just their looks. But it was the attitude, the energy that American, Black American models brought that the European models did not have. Next up, I have a couple of firsts that you all may recognize the names from because they're more recent. So in 1988, Naomi Campbell became the first Black woman to appear on the cover of Paris Vogue. In 1996, Tyra Banks became the first Black woman to appear on the cover of GQ. And she was also the first Black model to sign a contract with Victoria's Secret. And in 1997, Alec Weck became the first Black model on the cover of Elle magazine. Now, I'm going to focus on that last piece because 1997 is very recent. I was six years old. I am 30. I'll be 31 in August. So that is very recent. Shame on you, L, for only having a black model in 1997. However, having Alec Weck be that black model is a bit revolutionary. And so I'm interested and maybe I need to do some more research on who was behind that choice. Because if you're not familiar, Alec Weck is the South Sudanese, I believe is where she's from. But model is the really beautiful dark skin, bald head. It's kind of what the fashion industry the look that the fashion industry used to focus on, I would say late 90s, early 2000s, when they started recruiting models from Africa. They really wanted this, what they call, quote unquote, exotic look, but for them, exoticism. For them, that look was the super dark skin, the bald head, because that was what they thought Africa was. Of course, African women, African models come in all shapes, sizes, shades, and all of those look. Alec Weck was a dark-skinned woman, and in the late 90s, honestly throughout history, not even just in the late 90s, but focusing on that time period specifically, we know that dark-skinned women were not celebrated at all, not in the least. You know, they were made fun of, they were joked about. It was not considered the picture of beauty at all. And so it certainly was a revolutionary thing for Alec Weck to appear on the cover of Elle, which is a magazine that was showing what the world thought standards of beauty was. That's even groundbreaking for black communities because, again, the picture of beauty, if you look at black magazines and music videos and all of that other stuff, was not Alec Weck. So I love to see that, you know, she was on that cover in that time and would just love to know, like, who was behind that decision. And if they even thought that deeply or if it was just that she was a new black model face, you know, that came into the mix that year. But for young African girls, for young black girls, that was a beautiful moment. That was a revolutionary moment. And that was someone that we can look to and say, hey, I can see myself doing this because someone else has done it. Not just Alec Weck, but all of the models that we mentioned, you know, all of them gave black girls that hope, that inspiration and that representation and the encouragement to know that they're beautiful. So next up, we have the very talented, and we are no longer going in time order at this point, <laughs> but we have the very talented, the iconic model, singer, actress, all around, entertainer, triple threat, Grace Jones. 
Now, Grace Jones isn't a first in terms of like first model to be on this cover, first model to do this or whatever, but she is definitely a pioneer for black models and entertainers in the industry. Grace Jones is the epitome of avant-garde. I think they invented that word when they met her because of her style, her attitude, her creativity. She modeled for designers like Yves Saint Laurent and Alaya, and she was just always over the top. She was a performer. You can see that in her music, and if you ever watch any of her documentaries or just watch a snippet of her performing at her shows, she's definitely a performer. She ushered in that androgynous look that fashion loves to go after so much. Because before then, if you look at a lot of the models, and even some now still, people like that soft kind of look wherein Grace Jones really brought in the avant-garde, the androgynous look, the beautiful high cheekbones, the sharp structured square face. And of course she had that kind of sharp haircut. It's kind of like a high top. Well, not kind of, it is a high top. She had that sharp look. You know, she's known for her beautiful bone structure and dark skin. And she was just giving it to them in music and in fashion. She signed her first modeling contract at 18 and she signed to Wilhelmina Models and designers fell in love with her because again of that androgynous, bold look that she has. She also was a pioneer and I'm saying that word a lot, but there really is no other word to describe her any of these other models, but she really a trailblazer. There's a new word. (laughs) A trailblazer in the late 70s when you think about that disco studio 54 era. Like she is the one that kind of coined that look and that style. You know, people were emulating her. So Grace Jones and Studio 54 goes hand in hand. That was all of her style, her energy, her music, her sound, her look, her everything. Grace Jones is literally an icon and the girls today could never, they could never, never in their wildest dreams. Next up, we have model Monique Antoine. She is a French model from Martinique and I cannot pronounce her last name, so I will not say it, but she was also known as Monia. I'll include her first name in the notes, um, her full name in the notes, excuse me, so that you guys can look it up if you want to research her and learn more about her. But she was the first ever black model to walk a Chanel runway. And she was also known as Yves Saint Laurent's muse. It is said that when he was searching for his muse, he was drawn to Munia's rich complexion and unparalleled grace. He loved her so much as a model and as a friend, and he would situate her as like the pinnacle, the focal point of most of his collections and his shows. In 1978, she walked the Yves Saint Laurent Haute Couture Show, becoming the first black model to appear on an esteemed couture runway. She also appeared on the cover of almost 20 magazines representing designer Yves Saint Laurent, and she modeled his collection throughout the 70s and the 80s. And last but not least, we have Givenchy's model Cabine. Now, I don't often give praise to white men on this podcast, 
because that's not what it's about. It's about black fashion history. But if you listen to any of my episodes, you will hear the name Givenchy a lot because he was a designer that really provided a lot of opportunities for black designers and black models in the industry. Many of the black designers that have either appeared on my show or that I interviewed for my show or have talked about have been interns or, you know, designers that worked in his couture house. And many of those same designers and models just talk about, you know, how great and wonderful he is. So I pause to say that because one, we're about to talk about the model cabine that he started and the black models that were instrumental in that. And two, for all of my non-black listeners to share the importance of using your privilege and your opportunities to help others. We cannot experience the diversity in these industry that we talk about every single day, all day ad nauseum if these opportunities aren't presented. So for those of you out there who are in the position in the spaces, black or not black, you know, make sure that you are offering these opportunities to other designers, to models, to stylists, to commentators, academics, whoever in this industry so that they're able to have those kinds of platforms and grow and we can see more diverse voices. As I mentioned earlier, Givenchy was inspired by the black models at the Battle of Versailles. Models like Pat Cleveland, Bethann Hardison, and Billy Blair really stole the show. And he was inspired by how the black American models, just of their swag in general. So it wasn't just about looks, but it was about the personality, the style, the attitude. There's a certain thing that the black Americans models brought that the European models, black or white, did not have. So in the late 1970s, Givenchy launched his Black Model Cabine, which featured Black American models, one of whom I interviewed for this podcast, Carol Collins-Miles. So make sure you scroll back in the episodes and listen to her interview, along with Sandy Bass, Diane Washington, Lynn Watts, and Michelle Demby. These women were hand-selected by Uber Givenchy, and it was the first time in the history of couture fashion, European fashion, that couturier had that many Black models in the shows, in the circle, kind of representing the brand. And these women were not just models, they were also his muses. He would ask for their opinions on garments as he's creating collection. But they were very influential in ushering this era of fashion in Europe. These women made a major statement in fashion after they debuted at the Givenchy show. Every designer wanted to have a black model, not just any black model, but a black American model. And so they ushered in a new wave of work for black models. And again, not just black models, but black American models, African models, but people wanted to see black faces and black bodies on the runway after their debut from this, there came a surge of black models in the 70s working in Europe all the way up until the early 90s. They were like in high demand in Paris, Milan, Rome, just all over Europe. While it's absolutely beautiful and amazing to see blackness in demand and blackness as the standard of beauty, I hate absolutely appall the way the industry works, where the way somebody looks naturally 
becomes a trend or a style that people jump on or jump off because somebody else says it's cool or somebody else was inspired by it. I hate it that for this moment, the trend wasn't let's include black women or other types of women because that's what exists in the world and the industry should reflect what exists in the world. But we're including black models because it's the trend and we love the look and it's so amazing and it's so different and it's so groundbreaking. I just really hate that, you know, our looks and that's a product of an industry that's about aesthetics, but that, you know, our looks can become trends because there really aren't trends. This is what we look like and that should be celebrated at all times. But nevertheless, these women paved the way for many black models today and for black models in the 70s and beyond in Europe and models that were part of the cabine like Sandy Bass and Carol Collins Miles also worked with training black women to become models and to take advantage of these types of opportunities and to continue to open doors and opportunities for them in the industry. And that's it, guys. Thanks again for tuning into another episode of Black Fashion History. If you loved what you heard, and I know you did, Make sure to subscribe or follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms and on all social media at Black Fashion History Podcast. Don't forget to visit us online at our website, blackfashionhistory.com. And of course, if you don't do any of that stuff, make sure to tune in again next week for another Black Fashion History installment. Bye-bye.